This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, all right, everybody. Hello, and welcome back to episode number 13 of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers can use the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even if they're not podcasting, strictly speaking, about the law. Now, this episode is going to be another solo show. I'd had a nice interview set up for last week, and then I developed a bad case of strep throat, so I had to cancel, and we haven't yet been able to reschedule. We're now into the month of December, so people's schedules are starting to get sort of tight, and I expect we'll have a few more of these solo shows before the end of the year. In this episode, I'm going to talk about one of the things that people, lawyers or otherwise, sometimes let get in their way when thinking about taking up podcasting or blogging or any kind of content marketing or teaching or public speaking and whatnot. I'm talking about imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome is a psychological phenomenon in which people are unable to internalize their accomplishments. They see all that external evidence of their competence, those uh, who have the syndrome, nevertheless remain convinced that they're frauds and they don't deserve the successes they've achieved. Proof of their success is dismissed as luck or timing or a result of deceiving others into thinking they're more intelligent and competent than they believe themselves to be. Now, psychological research done in the early 1980s estimated that about two out of five successful people consider themselves to be frauds. And um, some other studies have found that as many as 70% of people feel like imposters at one time or another. Now, this isn't considered a psychological disorder. It's not among any of the conditions in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Uh, the term was coined by a psychologist, uh, two psychologists, clinical psychologist Pauline Clancy and Suzanne Imes back in 1978. Um, some interesting uh, high-profile people who have reportedly experienced the syndrome are uh, people like screenwriter Chuck Lorre, uh, best-selling writer Neil Gaiman, uh, the comedian Tommy Cooper, uh, business leaders like Sheryl Sandberg, a U.S. Supreme Court justice, uh, Justice Sotomayor, uh, actress Emma Wilson, and so on. Even Albert Einstein is said to have suffered from the syndrome near his end of, li end of his life. Uh, about a month before he died, he reportedly confided to a friend, quote, the exaggerated esteem in which my life's work is held makes me very ill at ease. I feel, feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler. <laughs> so how does this affect us that, that are getting into uh, podcasting and, and uh, content marketing and so on? And, you know, a lot of podcasting is really teaching, isn't it? And um, when we, you know, sit down in front of a microphone, first of all, that microphone can be intimidating in and of itself because we know we are being recorded. We're being um, – uh, there's a permanent record of what we say that's being made and – or at least possibly a permanent record. And uh, and so it's a little intimidating. And if you have the, a little hint of this sense that you're really not what you project to the world, this imposter syndrome, um, you uh, – uh, you, you may feel like this kind of sitting down in front of a microphone and recording isn't a good idea because you'll be revealed. All will be revealed and you'll be shown to be the fraud that you know inside your heart you are. Well, you know, let me, let me show you a few ways that this, um, 
this can be overcome or things that you can do, exercises and, and approaches to things that will help you to allow yourself to put yourself out there in this way. And, and this applies, by the way, across the board, not just for um, when we're recording or, or making audio podcasts or videos or, or blogging and those kinds of things. Some people experience this just in their day-to-day uh, encounters with the, uh, the outside world. And, um, you know, so it, this is, these are good tactics and skills to develop in order to deal with this imposter syndrome. Uh, I confess I have myself felt like it from time to time that, uh, uh, oh, if they only knew, nobody would listen to me again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as I sit and think about it and employ some of these strategies, um, I have uh, uh, been able to uh, recognize that uh, I'm anything but an imposter. And so let me help you to do the same. Um, so here are a few ways you can cope with it, your imposter syndrome should you suffer from it. First off is it's important to be authentic and honest with yourself about your skills and expertise and knowledge and so on. Um, authentic and honest with yourself. That is a realistic and, and accurate uh, reflection on these things. Uh, let's think about it for a second. If you are a lawyer, here are some things that I think it's safe we can assume about you and your achievements up until now. Uh, you went to school. You achieved good grades. You attended college and did well there as well. You got into law school. You got through law school. You passed a bar exam or two, or maybe you're about to pass a bar exam. You got a job or launched a practice or maybe more than one of, of those or uh, multiple jobs and so on. You've, you've managed to get and service your clients. You've helped those clients to find solutions or resolutions to their problems. You've managed to eke out a living, however uh, great or small that living may have been, and, uh, you know, uh, you you have been essentially a competent member of society doing your chosen profession, lawyering, which uh, you know is frankly a very small uh, subset of the population. There are only a very small handful of us lawyers out there by comparison to the overall population. And so that makes us the very high achievers, doesn't it? Uh, surely through all of this experience, all of these achievements. We've learned a few things about ourselves and you've learned a few things about your area that you could teach to others. And that is what you podcast about. That's what you blog about. That's what you get up and speak in public about when marketing yourself as a lawyer. You are not holding yourself out as something you're not. You're holding yourself out as exactly what you are. It's important to know your strengths. Uh, one of the therapies that is used for uh, this imposter syndrome is writing therapy. And it, what it does is it allows the person to organize his or her thoughts through writing using a method that allows the person, once they're able to see their accomplishments on paper, as opposed to interpreting them internally, they are more able perhaps to associate those with reality. And uh, the text can also be used as a reminder of your accomplishments at a later time. Um, uh, the idea is to dissolve this sense of inadequacy or or, uh, or fraudulent nature. So start off by making a list of some of those kinds of accomplishments, the things that are relevant to that which you are uh, trying to do when you're feeling these imposter syndrome feelings. Be specific about them. Go into quite a lot of detail if possible. Make that list and don't hesitate to make it a very long list. Uh, I myself have uh, also adopted something um, 
where, you know, not, not so much blowing my own horn, but, you know, certainly I have a resume and your resume is such a list, isn't it? And your client list and your, uh, articles that you may have published or blog posts and so on. All of these things are the kinds of lists. And what I also have done is taken anytime I receive a, a complimentary email or note or a thank you or, or, you know, kudos of any kind, I have started a little, little clipping file for those kinds of things. And anytime I receive some acknowledgement or thanks, I try to drop that note into the file so that when I am feeling a little less than, uh, I will sit down and, uh, you know, just thumb through the file, browse through it. And it's amazing how much better about oneself you can feel about yourself you can feel when you have, uh, you know, reviewed some of those accomplishments and, and how you've helped other people. So, um, Another thing to be mindful of is that one of the strengths that we as lawyers uh, have cultivated, uh, most of us, is the the ability and the knowledge about how and where to look for answers to things that we don't know or don't understand. And that is actually probably one of our greatest skills. It makes us into um, inquisitors, isn't <laughs> to use a, a strange term, but um, it, it helps us to... Uh, educate ourselves about the things we need to know so that we can relate those same things to our audience, whoever that audience may be. So uh, if you are going to be um, uh, trying a case before a judge, you want to be able to educate the judge on both the facts and the law. So you learn to study and, and research and investigate and identify all those things. And so while you may not go in at the beginning feeling like you know everything you need to know about a topic, uh, you have the abilities and the skills and the know-how to educate yourself on those things so that you can share them with others. And that is a tremendous skill to recall. Uh, also, one of the great things that we are good at, lawyers generally, is organizing our ideas into coherent, logical arguments, uh, notwithstanding my rambling today. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, this ability to research and identify issues and, and, um, and organize it and make a coherent, logical argument for a third party is really the, these are the things that we do when we market. And um, demonstrating our expertise is uh, is, is done through the same tool set. And so I think that makes us, um, quite good at what we do. And, um, we're not imposters. We are, uh, students of these things that we, that we study. And, uh, as we come into, uh, working on a particular topic, we educate ourselves and we become an expert. So that is another, another way to remind ourselves that our strengths are, uh, um, not just in a particular subject area, but the ability to pick up other subject areas as well. Next up, I want to say you have to be realistic also about your weaknesses. Are they real? Ask yourself this. If you, if you have a perceived weakness, perhaps it makes sense to write that down. I might even suggest write it down on a small slip of paper and ponder it a little bit. One at a time. Is this weakness a real weakness or is it just a matter of my perception? If it's not a real weakness, then it's easy enough to discard it. And you might even want to symbolically burn <laughs> that piece of paper. Um, but if it is a real weakness uh, that is not more than merely your own perception, then ask some more questions. Is this something with which you can function anyway? And can you improve in this area? And will you? 
And then ask, what is the worst thing that can happen as a consequence of my having this weakness? And balance those things out. What is the likelihood that that worst thing really is going to happen? And now, examine that weakness again in the context of making it into an asset. And by that I mean make it into an asset by turning it into something that now you have identified this as something you don't know, don't understand, don't feel comfortable teaching. Go out and do those things I was talking about earlier, learning, studying, informing yourself, preparing yourself to speak on the subject as an expert. And guess what? You will become that expert. Now, expertise is a moving target, of course, but let's also remember the next point. We need to be realistic about our audience's degree of sophistication. Remember, you have the curse of knowledge. You know not only what you know, but also you know what you don't know. Your audience will value the knowledge that you do have, you bring to them. And in fact, many times, it's incremental increases in understanding that are actually the best way of teaching things. So you don't need to be years and years and years ahead of your listening audience's knowledge if you are an episode or two ahead and you continue moving forward ahead of them, you will always be leading them. And leadership is one of the qualities that podcasting, blogging, all of these uh, content marketing strategies can really um, develop in us. And, um, you know, clients want to work with people they know, like, and trust and who better but a leader. So, um, so turn those weaknesses into an asset and be realistic about the audience's degree of sophistication and, uh, you know, acknowledge that your degree of knowledge and, and understanding of a subject exceeds theirs. And that's all that really matters, especially to them. Finally, I'll say do the work, study up, do the research, write, ask your questions, interview experts if you need to share your knowledge and also share your lack of knowledge, the inexperience, being transparent about the things that you don't know is a tremendously valuable approach because it makes you approachable and human. And that is a tremendously important quality in a leader. Another great technique is to um, actually put the questions that are in your mind, the areas where you have a perceived or real weakness, um, you know, don't hesitate to be honest about that with your audience and invite the audience to share their knowledge and experience with you. It is a great way to foster engagement and, um, and get a dialogue going. And that there's nothing better than that in this content marketing arena than to have the engagement, have commenting on your blog posts or your podcast episodes, have call-ins with uh, clarification or new answers and things like that. Now, if you are blogging or podcasting about substantive law issues, then yes, of course, we have to be very concerned about not disseminating false uh, or unreliable information and having our prospects and clients and so on relying on that um, unnecessarily. So it may be occasionally necessary to issue some kind of a disclaimer. And that may be where a lot of this discomfort comes from. The, it is uncomfortable, certainly, to to uh, say into a microphone, you know, I don't know about this thing particularly well. And so don't rely on the thing I'm about to say, but here's my take on it. That's that's not what we're trained to do, is it? Um, we as lawyers are expecting that when we give a definitive statement, it's a definitive statement. But the, the key is, 
we aren't always asked for a definitive statement. We can say, this is the issue, and I don't really know how it comes down. From my reading of the law, it looks like X, Y, and Z, but differing minds will differ, and we have to wait for a judge or a court to rule on this issue, or we have to uh, uh, do some further research to get into it. But it's an issue you should be aware of, and I urge you to explore it with your counsel uh, more thoroughly so that we can make sure you're getting the best advice possible, something like that. That is a great way to uh, approach a substantive legal issue when you're not fully versed on the topic um, just by being very direct about that fact and by explaining that lawyers need to research the facts and the law together so that we can develop a, uh, a particular strategy to a particular circumstance. And so, so that's my take on how to deal with this imposter syndrome. Now, the, you know, one other thing I want to say is, is if you are suffering from this imposter syndrome and you're feeling like it's stopping you from getting out there and putting yourself out there, um, examine carefully the topic that you've chosen to work on. If you are going to be talking about substantive law, then you, de- you definitely do need to be an expert in that area of substantive law. But I will say that when choosing a topic to podcast about or blog about or anything, um, sometimes the substantive law area in which we practice our day-to-day basis is not the best area for us to to be public about with our show or our blog or whatever because – because we know so much about it and we do know the nuance. Remember that our um, our audience is looking at a much sort of bigger picture, uh, forest for the trees kind of an approach. We see each tree, each leaf, each branch, each little, you know, <laughs> uh, errant root or whatever. But the audience wants to know the big stuff. You know, why are the trees there? <laughs> Those kinds of questions. So – that curse of knowledge that I mentioned, you have a greater amount of knowledge that will inform the way you approach these things and may make it actually difficult for your audience to actually enjoy and, and appreciate. So I strongly recommend um, uh, choosing a topic that will be of interest to your target audience, but perhaps that isn't directly on point with your practice area. By demonstrating your understanding of the breadth of and the scope of their of their interests, you can continue to position yourself in their minds as an expert on the subject, but not bore them with the nitty gritty minutia. And uh, that is just another sort of thought. Uh, Another thing I will say is, is if, you know, I've said it before on the show, if you are an accident lawyer and you specialize in motorcycle injury accidents, um, you know, let's face it, people aren't tuning into a podcast or even a blog uh, look because they love hearing about motorcycle accidents. I mean, I guess there's probably a few who do that, but, uh, you know, they're not tuning in and they're not searching that out until and unless they have a motorcycle accident. But if people are into motorcycles, they are likely going to be listening to radio shows or podcasts or, you know, information, reading magazine articles, blogs, and so on about motorcycles. So if you're going to do a show and you want to appeal to an audience of people that is your target market, appeal to them about the motorcycles and not about the accidents. So that about wraps it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast on imposter syndrome. If you are interested in podcasting for your law practice, please visit lawpodcasting.com and I'll send you my free law podcasting equipment resource guide. 
I'll be launching that Power Podcasting for Lawyers course very soon, and you'll be added to our Early Bird VIP notification list so you hear about it right away. And until then, I'll say, keep on podcasting. Thank you.